I'm Ben Easter, and you're listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast, the podcast that gives you the mindsets, strategies, tips, and tricks to live your freedom and love your life. If you're here, I suspect that you have a total badass inside you, but chances are that you haven't let it play full out yet. Maybe you've been told not to, that it's too much, maybe you've been worried about what other people will think, or maybe you just haven't made the space to shine. If any of that sounds familiar, you've come to the right place. Each week, my co-hosts and I will be exposing the lies that keep that badass chained and, more importantly, sharing the tools to help you break free and share that most authentic you with the world. So, if you want more freedom, possibility, or courage, then I'd invite you to take a deep breath, get curious, and listen carefully for your shift to freedom. Hey there, freedom seekers. Ever wonder about the hero that lives inside of you, ready to conquer the business world? Well, if you've been listening to our show for a while, then you know that we love exploring hero myths and using them to better understand our own heroic journeys. I wanted to make these stories even more actionable for you, so we built a way for you to uncover your business superpowers, avoid potential pitfalls, and see your entrepreneurial journey in a whole new light. Ready to discover your business owner hero type? Check out the show notes or head over to lucidshiftcoaching.com forward slash quiz to take our free quiz and learn which heroic energy you embody in your business. It only takes a few minutes and it's free. Your heroic journey awaits. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Paige. Today, we're going to explore the metaphors that exist in Disney movies. We're going to start with Disney movies, but we might branch out into others. But really, the thing that we're exploring is what is it about these stories that last through generations, through centuries? that really moves us. So I'm so excited to do this series with you, Paige. I'm really excited to talk to you today about why we're doing it too. Yeah, I love this topic so much. And I think one of the reasons is because the Disney movies, especially like the princess ones, have recently become so controversial. I just get really curious about, well, these stories are really transcending time. And also there's something like socioculturally going on in our world that is like so many people are resistant to it. And I just get really curious about that feeling of resistance comes up and then we're like throwing these stories out as though they're not valuable or they shouldn't be embraced and we shouldn't be showing them to little girls to give them these unrealistic expectations about the world. I just keep coming back to looking at these stories from a metaphorical lens and being able to find actually like tremendous value in them, especially since they're stories, like you said, that are like they're lasting a really long time. So there must be something about it that's like sticky enough for them to stay around. I think that's really an interesting point that you bring up because you posted on Facebook or somewhere about what movies, where, where should we start? And there was a little bit of pushback right away, like, oh, those those movies should be rated R. R. Or X. Yeah, rated yeah, R, yeah. yeah. As though they're like violence against people. That's a totally understandable position for people to hold. I think that's something that we'll go into as we explore. There are some very like outdated models of what femininity might be, might look like in the world. And so I think that'll be interesting to explore those things as they're getting like kind of tangled up. I also think that it's really useful to understand from the lens of, so I was like, I don't know if you, you know this, I took a, a mythology class, East and West. It was one of the first semester classes that I took in college. And I have been fascinated with this topic ever since then. That's why, where I originally read the book, Hero with a Thousand Faces, Joseph Campbell. Love that book, love the model of reality. But also I think that 
Myths and history of myths are such great models for our own stories as they map onto our own personal journeys through humanity, like what it means. I think one of the cool things about these myths, these mythic archetypes, these fairy tales that last for generations is that they really resonate with something deeply human about us, something about our own journey through the world and the way that we inevitably face challenges inevitably come to to terms with our like the darkest parts of ourselves as we are trying to get to whatever our our end goal you know like in the disney movies it's the happily ever after but whatever our like journey is for which is usually something larger than ourselves something bigger than ourselves so i'm i'm really interested to explore these with you anything to add on that as you know i've been really digging into carl jung lately and i am just super fascinated with the idea of joseph campbell actually studied with carl jung Maybe after him, they might have been contemporaries, I'm not sure. But thinking about Carl Jung from his perspective, it's like from darkness to light, individuation. Like how do we come out of the chaos, which is like the, the unity of everything where there's no individual individuality, it's all just like a big soup of stuff. How do we come from that chaos and like come into our own individual expression of our world, right? And so from the young perspective, looking at like, as we come across these metaphors, noticing what emotions come up for us. And if there's like stickiness or like, no, I don't like it, using that as clues for our own psychological development. I just get really curious because from the perspective of young, there's like a, an individual process and I also, I'll just stay, state that I, I don't claim to be an expert. I've been studying for like a number of weeks, but it's super fascinating. But from his perspective, it's like, on the one hand, there's this individual experience as like a single human coming into the world and bouncing off of these like symbols and metaphors. But then there's also like, as a humanity, we're also progressing through a, a psychological development as well, which is why when you look at the hero's journey with J Joseph Campbell, and also through like the symbols that Jung has kind of outlined, there's something about a lot of these symbols where we all kind of experience them in a similar way or the same way. We also have like our own individual take on it from our own experiences and like individual meanings that come up for us. But as a, like as a humanity, we're also experiencing them very similarly. What I think is really cool about what you're talking about right now is part of why I, I wanted this topic included in this podcast really is when we're thinking about shifting to freedom, it really is this like a personal journey and exploration and understanding the things that move us, the, the areas where we have blockages or resistance, like confronting those. I love that you've been studying the tarot lately as well, because that really is about our journey, like all of the different phases of our journey and what comes up along the way. But using that as a tool, as with these stories, as with anything that's going on in your life where there's those moments of resistance or you notice something like isn't quite sitting with you, that's like an awesome way to explore ourselves so that we can progress and move ourselves down our heroic journey, our own personal heroic journey. Yeah. I also, I studied child therapy for my grad school for my counseling program and I was like what like what do you do you just play with kids like I don't understand how that can be therapeutic but actually there's so much value in play because play is metaphor and so for somebody who doesn't have advanced language to kind of navigate through really complex abstract concepts when you take these kind of like two items and they interact with each other, a child or somebody who has too much trauma to like really talk deeply about their experience, it creates what they call like psychological distance. 
And so you can more safely interact with this metaphor and find more like resolution. And so we don't even actually need to bring like, how is this metaphor like my life? We don't even need to actually like articulate that parallel. We can just play in metaphor and actually like get a lot of exploration and find resolution just by considering these topics and how they bounce off of each other, because there's all these like psychological parallels between this metaphor and the kind of way that my brain is structured and the different events and how they, and like objects and and, like how they relate to each other. It was really, really fascinating to study it from the perspective of a child. And like, there's a lot of value in like talk and talk therapy and also like coaching as well. And like talking through it logically, But we're missing out on this like really amazing asset if we don't consider it from like a metaphorical perspective. Mm. And I love the ways that metaphors show up in not only in my life. I I spend a lot of time in the metaphorical landscape, but also in coaching conversations. I love what happens when you hear those metaphors that are in people's language. And then you start to just play. You start to explore what does that metaphor look like? Like what's happening there? When you actually flesh that metaphor out, like what's happening there, you brought up a thing about play. And I think one of the really cool aspects of play is that we, when we're in a play landscape, we're suspending disbelief. We're kind of creating this safe space to experiment with things where they don't have to be perfect and we can try stuff out and do it in a safe environment. And so because of that, it lets us access some freedoms that we might not otherwise access. And one of the things that I think is really cool about the metaphorical landscape and these metaphors that move us is when we're hearing a story, we suspend disbelief. This is part of like why, uh, you know, like a lot of the great teachers from history have taught through parables is because you can, you can get something so clearly from a parable. And when the story is about someone else and you're hearing it in a parable, we're not getting defensive about ourselves. We're not like logically analyzing whether the thing is like the way that it is or isn't the way that it is, you know? So there's like this real opportunity for us to explore and be curious and be open in a way that, um, that maybe doesn't happen otherwise. Actually, there's a really cool book. Um, I'm thinking about this motivational aspect of stories too, because there's a really cool book called, I think it's called metaphorical selling, but it's a sales book. It's about like, you know, how to sell in, in business But it does it through these metaphorical stories because and a lot about what's happening in that process is that you're bringing up this metaphor. And because it's, again, disconnected from the self, but also because it's so simple, metaphors are so simple, they contain so much wisdom in them. Because, again, the thing about metaphors is we're relying on these things from the natural world and those things tend to have staying power. So I think that's something that's really interesting that we only kind of lightly touched on so far. But this staying power of metaphors and myths and fairy tales that that show up. Yeah, I get really excited about the application of using them as tools to kind of like a kickstart into the learning, like a quick way to kind of get the point across and like be able to play in it. And like you said, like not have to like identify with it and take it personally and get defensive and then like emotions get in the way. Like it's it's really it's really fascinating to kind of watch how it can unfold from a metaphorical perspective and just not be so the word that comes up for me is like igniting like, oh, no, I don't like this. I don't want to talk about it. Totally. It's probably going to be a while before we get to this one. But like we just watched Turning Red, which I think did that a really it was like a really interesting way of exploring like a coming of age for a woman and like who's 
her period is not mentioned at all in that, but the, you know, the, the imagery that you get when she's turning into the panda or whatever is very, like, it's, it's, it's very reminiscent of a period. There's, there's like gushing imagery and there's like, things are rushing over, you know, a roof and it's all done in red. And so you're really getting this image. Then that lets us, you know, kind of explore it in a safe place in a way that, you know, is a story about something else, but also all the meanings are still in there. And that's one of the things that I think is really cool about metaphors is that even if we don't understand if we don't take the time to dive into what the meanings are, like the meanings are there and present for us. One of my favorite symbols is light and the way, the way that light shows up in the world. Lucid shift coaching is about the way that we can shine a light on things in order to shift. I love this idea of where the sun or where light shows up in stories being kind of the moment that knowledge is appearing. Now, look, whether the author ever meant for that to be in there at all, it's in there because we all know the we've all had the experience of walking into a dark area or being somewhere where we don't have light and what that does to our to our our certain our sense of certainty our sense of security right like there's there's fears and things that lurk around the corners in the shadows and we even say in the shadows right that that's a metaphor but these are like things that we we know on some level subconsciously so when even just hearing about the sun or the light at some level of our subconscious understanding of the world we're knowing that that's about certainty and knowledge and security and safety and what that all and, and warmth and all of that all, what all that means so i think it's like really interesting for us to take these these metaphorical landscapes that have been played out through disney and through fairy tales and explore them with the lens of like understanding that even if we weren't to do it the me the meanings are still there and also that how i'm sorry i get so excited about this <laughs> my my thoughts are rambling but the how many different layers of the metaphors might exist because that is just one, like we just talked about the sun and how it means knowledge and represents certainty, but there could be an infinite number of other explorations of what the sun means that's tied up in there. Something about fusion or power or, you know, the source of life and food, because people know that the sun is actually what plants eat and we eat those. So it's actually our source. It's like our grandfather in, in <laughs> food. Or grandmother. Yeah. Or, gran or grandmother. I, I, for me... <laughs> And I, I hope we get to explore this throughout these because I think they will come up. But for me, I, I love these archetypes of like the sun and the moon. We'll explore some of these because the masculine tends to be more visually and the, and the feminine tends to be more feeling, em emotive. Yeah. And so while well, the moon is a natural feminine presence because you can't see as much, right? You're not as visually oriented at night. We're more sensorily oriented, more tuned into the sounds that are going on, more curious. So anyway, I think uh, we'll, we'll get into more of that. <laughs> that. Yeah. Something that also caught my attention when you were just talking now is that these metaphors, especially something like light and dark and kind of the the meanings that are then associated with light and dark, like knowing or not knowing or like safety or like less safety, is that they're universally relatable. And so it can be a way like a really fast way for us to connect and understand each other's experience from like an emotional and maybe not quite so like logic based because logic is so much easier to talk about than emotion is. And I just really like any opportunity for us to be in connection because I think that connection is also a way to freedom, really, because when we are not able to connect with other people and we feel like this like tension and like solitude and it, it feels sticky and it doesn't feel very good. And when we don't have that kind of safety, we're not as likely to like show up with bravery and show up courageously and show up in service to other people and feel a pull to be contributing when we are struggling to relate. 
And that just stood out to me as like a really like beautiful use and application of, of metaphor. Yeah, absolutely. There's one other thing that I, I had on my list that I wanted to talk about, about metaphor, about these stories, which we kind of touched on lightly is their survivability. Like, you know, the idea that these stories have been around for some of them hundreds, some of them thousands of years and what that means, like what that represents. If so, I really am fascinated with the idea of evolution and that there's like kind of a golden thread of things that have survived, that have been able to survive. And look, they've changed over time. And the way that they've changed is by surviving according to now, like what is in existence right now? And like so the current, the contemporary context. Yeah, exactly. You know, like the tree that I'm looking at right now, it hasn't always looked like that. It is an evolution a progress. Like there was a time when there were no trees on the planet, actually, but that was the dominant thing. And then things come about that are strong enough to survive. And then sometimes they come about that they're strong enough to survive for long, long periods of time. And there's something I think really magical about the things that do tend to survive. And I think that we can look to them for clues about what it means to be an eternal being, what it means to survive through time and through like the wisdom that exists in the evolutionary process. And so when we look at these stories, the ones that survive, I think part of why they survive is because they're they're speaking to things about us that have within them the seeds of immortality, the the parts of us that when cultivated they we can last. Take something like a story that's really old, like the Bible, for instance. The Bible is really widely propagated, has a huge following around the world, and it's been around for a really long time. I mean, the Bible has not just outlasted humans, it's outlasted like entire civilizations and cultures and moved from place to place. So there's something about it that resonates more transcendently than any like given story might, okay? Because there's plenty of stories that have been forgotten and they've been lost to the sands of times. Plenty of fairy tales, plenty of folk, folk tales that I think even Disney sometimes dusts them off, but they've been like, they haven't been like bright and shiny in the, in the cultural collective, right? And so there's something about a story that lasts for a really long time that gives us clues to what lasting means. Because these stories are like immortal. And so if we find the parts of that, that's the parts of ourselves that are immortal. Like to the extent, this is like that, what was that, um, that Lindy principle? The, the longer something sticks around, the more likely it is to stick around for a longer time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, I guess the idea is that there are, the longer that a story sticks around, the more likely it is to give us clues to what sticks around in us. What, what about our human existence sticks around? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that idea. Finding like, I love that you called it the golden thread and like, how do we find the, the thing that is transcending time and what is it about that, that we can use as clues to also, I mean, I guess one way that I see that is like, then we can use it to apply to like our own things that we create, trying to make them applicable and lasting by using those clues. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because I think that what when we're talking about freedom, shifting to freedom, what we're really talking about is like the ability to express authentically, right? To be ourselves as as authentically and openly as we can be. And so following the clues of these principles that are survivable over time gives us clues of what aspects of ourselves, what parts of ourselves that we can accentuate. Even just focusing our mind on what these metaphors are, I think will help us grow into 
the principles of survivability mm, in our lives and, yeah. and yeah. expression. Yeah. Looking at, looking yeah. at the metaphors for prince as principles. Totally. Yeah. It might be prudent to kind of introduce the distinction for us between male, female, and masculine, feminine. I think that we'll probably talk about it in depth as we go through, but this is something that comes up a lot when we're having conversations about this topic with other people, where there's like this, yeah, but just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I have to be like feminine. And so I would love for us to just kind of introduce how we think about it from a philosophical perspective so that it doesn't feel so like crunchy for people. Totally. Yeah. And and so like there's male, female, and then whether you choose masculine, feminine, or we could also use yang and yin. I think that sometimes that language is a little bit less charged for people. But the idea being that masculine and feminine exists along a spectrum that we all have. And I think drawing a distinction when we're talking about the masculine and feminine principles here, we're not talking about the maleness or the femaleness of the characters that we're talking about. We're talking about the qualities, again, of the human psyche, who an individual can have any number of qualities that are both masculine and feminine. There's not really a like a, a hard set distinction the way that there is with something like a, a Y chromosome, you know? So like when we're talking about these distinctions, yeah, just to point out that we are talking about qualities Mm-hmm. Again, lightness and darkness. Like two opposing ends of a spectrum. So like on one would be complete darkness and one would be complete light. And exactly. then within the principles of yin and yang, there are some kind of ways of being that are associated with dark and some that are associated with light and uh, like action or masculinity or... Physical strength versus physical flexibility. Strength. Hot versus cold. Yeah. Outward versus inward. All of these spectrums. Interesting that you brought up that extremeness of darkness and light. And maybe we'll talk about this at a different time. But because think about uh, what perfect darkness would be meaningless to the visual identity and perfect lightness would also be meaningless to the visual. Both would be as useless to your eyes to have perfect dark and perfect light. And I think, you know, and we'll talk more about this, but that the world does exist in kind of the, the space between the extremes, right? Like light waves and sound waves are both like presence and absence. And that like, it takes both of those things for it to exist one way or the other. So I think that's really, I I get fascinated with that stuff. Yeah. Philosopher in me. (laughs) Yeah. I get really fascinated with two. And it's just like, sometimes when I think about that, the two opposing ends of the the spectrum, I sometimes find myself getting stuck because it also seems like everything eventually becomes circular. Like there's this, there's, it's two opposing ends of a, like a circle, because at some point you're coming from darkness back to light. And then at some point from light back to dark. And those are different types of transitions too. And so it seems like just the like two night polar to day op- and day to night. Exactly. Like the two polar opposites maybe isn't always the most useful way to think about it because we're always nothing is permanent. It's like impermanence is one of the laws of nature. Yeah. And I think that they're just like as with the exploration of metaphors, it doesn't mean that they're And this was, I think, a distinction that we were kind of alluding to earlier. But the dis- difference between descriptive and prescriptive how things are versus how things should be. What we're not talking about in, in any of this metaphorical explanation is how things should be. We're talking about how things tend to be or how things have been. 
And again, looking at what are those trends, what are those themes that show up again and again? Yeah, I, I really want to double tap on that because I think that should, and we talk about this a lot in our coaching with our clients, is should being the kind of language that necessary, necessarily like decreases freedom. And I think about mm-hmm. like a lot of and the, the... And innovation. And motivation, is, yeah. And motivation. Yeah, totally, mm-hmm. yeah. And But I, I just want to double tap on that because I think like... What we are advocating for with this exploration of metaphor is necessarily that there is no should, because I think that like the should that comes from a lot of the contemporary exploration of like the princess fairy tales, for example, is that's the kind of thing that makes these or or, or creates space for these stories to not be very attractive to people because they're interpreting it like, oh, because I'm a woman, I'm supposed to just be helpless and be rescued by some man. When in our contemporary reality, women want to feel like they have their own agency that is separate from another, like a masculine counterpart. And so I just want to double tap on that as like, it's not that we're talking around it. It's that we're explicitly like we're advocating for freedom and that these are not supposed to metaphors. They're kind of like, what in what context can you apply them and find use in them? And then at what point does it become kind of destructive and maybe just like choose to not think about it that way? Totally. I also love what you said earlier. And just to bring it back up to highlight it again, is this idea of not necessarily needing to apply these metaphors to your life in any specific way. Although that's available to you as well, but even just listening and exploring the metaphors and understanding your metaphorical, like enhancing your awareness of your metaphorical landscape, because we all operate in in metaphor throughout our own Mm -hmm. lives. And so just opening your mind to what metaphors are and how they operate in the world, I think is a really powerful thing. So not prescriptive, descriptive. We're doing all of this for freedom. Um, we'll, We'll be careful with our language, but also... Ask questions, post comments. If you if you if you don't like the way that we say something or you want some clarification, please write it in the comments. If you want us to explore any particular Disney movies or even other myths, please post those in the comments. We'd love to do it. If you want to challenge any of what we say, we'd love to have that conversation as well. That's something that's really enjoyable about this process for us. Anything else to add, Paige? No, I think that's it. Thanks, Ben. Great. So we're happy to have you all along on our journey and uh, looking forward to exploring with our next myth. We're doing Snow White. We've already recorded it, but Snow White's first and then Pinocchio. Yeah, great. All right. Well, thanks for the conversation, Paige. Looking forward to seeing everybody else on our metaphorical journey to understand these metaphors that move us. Thanks so much for listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast. If you want to get the most out of your time here, think about this. What's the one thing from this episode that resonated the most for you? Asking that simple question can help anchor in your insights and remember who you want to be. If there was even a single thought in today's episode that helps you to become even 1% more free, then we are thrilled. If so, would you do us a favor? We're on a mission to spread the message of freedom and we could use your help. See, the algorithms love it when we get reviews, shares, comments, and likes, and then that helps other people like you to find the podcast and just maybe change their lives. So if you like what we're doing and you want to generate some positive karma for the day, please write us a review wherever you get your podcast love. See you next week. And in the meantime, live your freedom and love your life.